I'm in Ephesians in the first chapter, and I would love to read to you the whole passage again, going up to uh, the, the 22nd verse, but I won't do it. I'll, I'll just say um, that, that, that it says that we're to have a spirit of illumination. And it says that God was working with his great power in verse uh, 19 into 20. The great power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And then it says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, Ephesians 1, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. So what do we have? Of a teaching Gail about the resurrection, the power of God, the resurrection. And then it's actually a picture of the ascension. And when he says this phrase, and he put all things under his feet, here's what we know. Uh, Paul is once again speaking to his, his people in a way that they can understand. Here's what they can understand, and here's what we need to understand. Because I want you to under—I want you to understand. We're following one, and everything's under his feet. We're looking around and saying it's kind of over our head right now. <laughs> it's not really under our feet. And and that phrase under his feet has always come to believers at times of great trial and at times of um, either the mental anguish or the physical anguish. And, I, and I'll, I'll point that out as I go along here. But where does that phrase come from? That phrase, and he put all things under his feet. The echo is Psalm 8. Hmm. So listen to Psalm 8. And by the way, I'm not going to preach as long as I normally do. Uh, I'm going to teach, and you need to know I'm itching to jump up and preach, but my body is not itching to do what my mind wants it to do right now. It says, O Lord, our Lord, Psalm 8, verse 1, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, i.e. the rainbow that we began this service with. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Now, this is a hearkening back to creation. And it's a hearkening back to the fact that when God created mankind, there were already heavenly creatures that had been created. And we were made a little lower than them. But that's not to be our estate. He goes on to say... But you have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. Yeah, that's a reference to creation. That's a reference to 
Adam. That's a reference to Adam being the one who had dominion. And, and I know you're not here to help me preach, but, but, I, but I like for you to be here to say, is, he, is Alan making any sense or not? That's good. Um, uh, all the sheep and the oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So the psalmist uh, in this passage is, is hearkening back to the act of creation. Now, Paul takes that exact phrase that's being used by the psalmist, and he applies it to Jesus. So it's applied to Adam, and by virtue of being Adam, to all of us Mm -hmm. in the psalm. Mm -hmm. And then Paul applies it to the one man, Jesus. So when he wants them to know who it is that they're worshiping, They're worshiping the one who was like them and yet not like them. The one who is the one who now has this authority. Now, once again, um, anybody who knows uh, the teaching I have, listen, by the way, I'm I'm thrilled with the fact that I have a teaching that I don't have to really change my teaching uh, for this circumstance. We are in a circumstance in which everybody's saying, what the is going on? You know, and we're pulling our hair out and we're afraid. And, and if you're not a little bit disturbed, I mean, stock market has fallen 10,000 points. Uh, that's a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Nine to 10,000 points. Um, probably we've gone from a nation of full employment uh, to we're going to have huge unemployment, at least short term when this thing is over with. We've gone from a time of, we, we can pretty much go and be wherever we want to, to a time of restricted movement, uh, restricted access to each other, restricted access to goods and services. It's a time that we should be um, unsettled. And it's a time in which, of all the people on earth, Christians should not be unsettled. Now, listen, I'm not making a case for you to go along with everything that comes down the pike. I'm making a case for you to not be so disturbed by the winds and waves that you can't hear his voice. Because this is the time when the, when the winds and the waves are blowing. And this is the stuff I've been preaching about for years and years. And so when I, when I lay and I'm quiet, when I'm still, when I'm thinking and meditating, when I'm on the, laying on the bed at night and I'm wondering, uh, for me, this is like, this is the stuff I've been anticipating my whole life. I said, sometime, at some point, there's going to be an hour, a time in which people will be needed who think clearly. People who will be needed who are not driven by the fear that's driving everything. This is your hour. This is our hour. And this is a time because um, we did not get our faith from the order of our culture. So when our culture goes into chaos, our faith is not changed. I, I say, now where did that come from? Gail, it comes from Psalm 110. By the way, oddly enough, Gail and I have been sick with different symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so 
We've actually practiced a form of, of our own, um, what do you call it, social distancing? Social distancing right here in the house. Yeah, she's drinking from a different cup. She's avoiding me as much as possible because she thinks my symptoms are worse than hers. I haven't. They are. I haven't eschewed her at all. But so, you know, it should be a wonderful time home alone. But no, it's like home alone. All right. So uh, you guys know how much I love the covenant teaching and, and this passage takes me right back into the Davidic Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. The passage in Ephesians hmm. is about the ascension to him to the right hand. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That is the foundational reference for the passage in Psalm 8 and for the passage in Ephesians, all things under his feet. If your enemies are your footstool, then all things are under your feet. So this is how we have to live. We have to live like not like people who are being overcome, but by people who in a time of overwhelming distress are living in overwhelming, overcoming victory. And um, so I come to another passage. There's another, there's two more texts where we find that phrase of, about under the feet. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So there it is again, the resurrection of Christ, just like in Ephesians 1. And he's called here the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, another reference to Adam, by a man comes the resurrection from the dead, Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And then it says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the father. And here it says, after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. Uh, a time of crisis for me is the one big issue is uh, those who have authority, even well-meaning ones, spread their authority in time of crisis. And so while I'm saying to everyone, bear up, this is temporary, but be vigilant and insist that this be temporary. Um, we shall not live under uh, um, the boot of a tyrannical government. We will say to our own government, you must stop. And even as Paul asserted his rights right up to Rome, if the need be, if the time comes it need be, we will assert our rights. And, and yet I say, calm heads, cool hearts, wisdom. Uh, by the way, don't listen to every voice that's fear-mongering out there. Already the conspiracy theorists are chirping. So I get people sending me things, asking me what I think about this and that. Almost every time I watch somebody who's fomenting a conspiracy theory 
The speaker offers no evidence, no proof. They just offer claims. Insist on better than that. And uh, so I'm, I'm not, again, you know me, I'm saying don't give in to conspiracies or conspiracy theories. But at the same time, understand that the powers that be will act badly if they're not held in check. But this passage says that, that then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. In other words, hey, you guys, we're not living under underneath. Uh, I, I, didn't, I, I had a, a, just a powerful thought come into my heart. Because uh, there might come a time we have to cry out for justice. And I was reminded of Martin King. And uh, how many times has Martin Luther King been the, the inspiration? Ooh, and I've got to find my, pet, my place. How many times has Martin Luther King been the inspiration? But what, what, what held Martin Luther King that most people don't understand? What held him was... Um, a profound belief that the universe was ruled by one who has justice. Mm. He was so imbibed in the scriptures that, that he was not afraid. He didn't have to turn to violence in his call for justice because he had one who was his advocate. And I... I was so stirred. I, I just heard that phrase that in that great speech that he gave. How long? Not long. How long? Not long. And it was, it was delivered at a time when he says, I come to say to you this afternoon, that this, at this difficult moment, however frustrating the hour, it will not be long because truth crushed to earth will rise again. How long? Not long, because no lie can live forever. How long? Not long, because you shall reap what you sow. How long? Not long. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadows, keeping watch upon his own. <laughs> That man was so imbibed in the moral nature of the God of the universe that he said, no, no. So justice is not dependent on us. It's dependent on the one to whom we cry out. And you'll read in the Psalms about crying out to him over and over. And so it says, for he must reign until... He has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Take note of this, folks. Our whole culture has been turned on its ear because of the fear of death. And I said it last week. I'll say it again. The devil is threatening us with our victory. Do not be held in the tight bands. Are you itching to say something? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just itching to itch. <laughs> Do not be held in the tight bands of fear. For the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God, and it says, has put all things subject under his feet. When it says all things are put in subjection, 
It is plain that he is accepted who put all things under him. And he says that God will be all in all. I'm almost done. So the phrase is under his feet, under his feet. One more time we find this phrase used. Uh, It's in the, the second chapter of the Hebrews. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. We saw that reference in the Psalms uh, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. I love this. <laughs> the writer of Hebrews says somewhere. And then he quotes the Psalm that we, be, that we had behind this. What is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a, for a little while lower than the angels and you've crowned him with glory and honor. Hebrews chapter two now putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing that is outside his control. Object says big God. (laughs) At present, and we can say this today, at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it is fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory He should make the founder of their salvation perfect by suffering. And I finish with the text in Ephesians. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, which is the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the gospel. It's for you. Let me be sure you understand. Your faith, my faith, is in the one named Jesus. And the Bible says, he lives and he reigns and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. We have given ourselves to him. Point something out to you before I close. An invisible virus has suddenly subjected us to all kinds of authority and power that we were not subject to two weeks ago. Our economy is different. Our lifestyle is different. Everything is different because of an invisible power that we cannot see. For one reason, it has the threat of death. Is that going to control your life? Is that going to rule your existence? Well, I say it may for a month or two, but how long? Not long. Not long. long. Because the one who's going to rule my existence is the one who ever lives and ever sits on a throne, whom even though we cannot see, we know him and we love him. And I want to say to you, if you do not have 
an active relationship to the God who created all things and for whom all things exist. His name is Jesus. Call upon him today, right now. Call upon him. Call upon the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, I give myself to you. Come into my life. I am yours. And if that's been the prayer and cry of your heart, then get in touch with us because we want to come and bless you and pray for you and minister to you. And I can't wait, Gail. Uh, I have some hope. It's not a strong hope that maybe on the day we celebrate resurrection, we can get back together. I don't know if that'll happen, but I know this. When we get back together, oh my goodness, we're going to have a celebration. Um, an unbelievable, joyful celebration. We're going to baptize new believers into Christ. We're going to lay hands on people and see them filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you, there's not one thing that God wants to give you that you have to wait till we get together to receive. Amen. Amen. You have learned how to receive, haven't you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've learned how to receive. I've been receiving as I've been giving. And now you receive, receive of his love, receive of his fullness, receive of his healing. Um, Charlie and the team are going to come back and they're going to lead you in worship. And we're going to close this service. We love you so much. We miss you. Your names come across our mind. Your faces come across our heart. And uh, we can't wait to see you again, and yes, to hug you. (laughs) Yes. We love you. Amen. God bless you.